be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with each other one more time. Amen. I didn't forget that the pandemic kept us away from each other for a long time. You know, we, we can forget about things real quickly, especially in this world, this country, this nation. Man, we move past things quickly like they never happened. And I, I, the pandemic is happening still. And there was a time where we could not be together. And I regretted every moment of it. I thank God for keeping us throughout that time when we could not be together. And we're grateful that we can be together again. So it's a great, great, great privilege to be together and be with one another. God is good. Amen. A couple of quick announcements. Don't forget about our rally uh, tomorrow evening. Um, Mount Ephraim. <laughs> Mount Ephraim, New Jersey, about 35 minutes away from here. Um, uh, if you need direction, you can take down the address um, from the flyer that we're showing right now. Um, it's our multicultural rally. As we know, Brother Scarlett is our multicultural director for our district, and so he's responsible for this service. So let's support him and support this service, and more importantly, what God is doing in the kingdom. Amen. Also, um, this weekend is our Move the Mission uh, virtual walk, virtual walk. And so this Saturday will be what we call our flex walk. So if you can't walk Sunday, you can walk Saturday. And um, there's an app that we use when we walk. I'm trying to remember the, the name. Just Move. There you go. App that's called Just Move. Download that app and sign into it. Um, it's $7 to participate. You can either um, pay online, whichever way you want to pay online, or you can see Sister Patrice with your $7 or your $14 or your $28 in my case. No, I'm not paying for everybody in my house. Um, everybody hustles in my house. They got to pay their own walk money. Everybody got to pay their own walk money. But $7 to sign up and walk. It's going towards the offering that we're collecting for our young people. Move the mission. And as you know, this offering is used to support our missionaries that are overseas. So let's support this effort. Uh, it's a really good cause. And um, we need to look for every opportunity we can to support the kingdom of God in every way that we can. Amen. Don't forget, next Saturday, uh, the 25th of September at 12 noon, we do our public launch. We will bring everyone up to speed as to where we are in our journey to uh, go to our next location where the Lord has taken us. And so we um, will launch publicly our stewardship campaign efforts, what we're doing, um, what we hope to accomplish with the help of the Lord and how you can be a part of it and how you should be a part of it. So that's next Saturday at the Marriott in Princeton, 12 noon. It will be a church service slash our launch event. We want you to come out and support it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a part of uh, whatever the Lord is doing. Some people, I got to tell you this, it's, it's unhealthy to just be associated with the church and not be a participator in the church. Uh, when you just associate with the church and you don't participate, uh, you leave yourself 
uh, out of what God is doing and uh, could possibly miss out on what God really has in store for you. So don't just be associated with the church by just showing up when the church show up for worship, uh, but be a part of it. Do something. Uh, I believe people all over the world uh, always want to feel like they're a part of something. And so they get involved with so many different things. I mean, there are people that um, want to be at the soup kitchen. There are people that volunteer their time to work at the hospital. People volunteer to do all sort of stuff. They don't get paid for it, but they just want to feel like they're a part of something that that means something that's valuable. And I can't say it enough that there is no greater organism in this world outside of this world than the church. So if you're looking for something to say, I am a part of something that's valuable and meaningful, you can't find anything better than the church to say, I am a part of it. But just by just showing up and being amongst the church and not be a part of the church and doing uh, something in the church is not good enough. God didn't call you to be a spectator, but he wants you to be a participator. Amen. So be a part of what God is doing. Amen. When we get to heaven, uh, we'll have the, the, the opportunity to talk about how we had a hand in what God did in the earth. And so you'll feel good about it. Um, over the years, uh, I remember Sunday mornings coming to church excited and walking really fast, ready to go into the house of the Lord. And my reason for doing that was because I know the effort I put in all week praying about God sending guests to the church and, and, and wanting to see people saved in that church service. And more likely, I probably had taught a Bible study throughout that that week for somebody to hear the word of God and get saved. Or I may have went to outreach and, and, and shared the gospel with someone. And so Sunday, I'm all geared up and ready, excited, because I'm saying with all the other things that we've done, now here it hits the crescendo on Sunday morning. God's going to do something great because we've done our part. Now God is going to do his part. And so that's how you need to treat Sunday service. Unfortunately, sometimes we treat Sunday service as, all right, let's go in here and hear what the preacher got to say. But we need to come to Sunday service saying, let's see what God is going to do because of what we've done throughout the week. Right. And so God will help us to do our part throughout the week. And then when we get here on Sunday, we are here with bated breath, ready. All right, Lord. And nothing is a surprise to you as it begins to unfold because you know that God will meet us because we did our part. A lot of times we're waiting for God to do his part and we never did our part. And so we leave disappointed because we never did our part. And so we look forward to Sundays when we know we've done what we are supposed to do. With all of that said, how about we stand and um, go before the Lord in prayer? Okay, so the real time walk is 6 p.m. I might do flex walk. Amen. I might have to do flex walk. Do flex walk Saturday. Amen. That'd be good. Because Sunday, whether you all know it or not, I exercise on Sunday. You might not exercise. <laughs> whether you know it or not, I exercise Sundays. <laughs> now, you can exercise with me if you want, or you can just, you know, chill. But I exercise on Sunday, so this week, it'll be seven days a week exercising. Because I'm catching it on Saturday. I'm doing my three miles Saturday. So 
Got to get my $7. Matter of fact, do I have my $7 now? Oh, come on. Okay. All right. I only have $4. Uh, I'll get them. That's <laughs> all That's all right. That's all right. I only have four. Uh, uh, I'll, get, I'll get my other three and pay my seven. Peyton and Jordan and Nicola have to pay their own seven. Because they all hustle. All of them hustle. They all got a little money on the side. So they, they need to invest. They need to give a good offering because that's what it really is. They, they, they want to be blessed like I'm blessed. Give your offering to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to mention two um, people in your prayer. The apple of my eye. Appreciate the apple of my eye. It's my girl. Some days she just give me hugs and kisses and love just because. She just gave me some hugs and kisses and love. All right. We have, we have, um, we have all kind of witnesses in here. I paid my $7. Brother, Brother Isaiah, I just paid my $7. Sister Crystal, I just paid my $7. So I'm ready to do my walk. I don't know about anybody else. I got witnesses that I gave my $7. Peyton had to pay her own $7. Jordan had to pay his own $7. Sister Nicola got to pay her own $7. Everybody got to pay their own $7. They all got jobs. They all doing hustling. You know, people do chores to make their money around. So they got to pay their stuff. I'm good to go. Even Jordan. Are you kidding me, please? That joker. He got to pay more than anybody else. He always on some hustling mission. So listen to me. I need you to pray with me tonight. Uh, I got a call from Sister Yvonne Cummins, and um, her mother is in the hospital. It did some testing and found things they weren't supposed to find. Well, things they were supposed to find but shouldn't be there. <laughs> right? So, so we're not happy about them finding things that shouldn't be there. So we need to pray that God will touch her body. Remember, I told you, God has given us authority over sickness, right? So we can rebuke that sickness and command it to leave. Uh, oh, God. I need you to pray also. You had, you had your hand up, Brother Henry? You had your hand up? No? Go ahead. Okay. We need to pray for Brother Henry's mother-in-law. Um, so pray for her that God will touch her body. That sickness will leave her. Um, I'm going to tell you something that the Lord kind of just talked to me about. Just, I don't know if he jabbed me or whatever he did. But we had a um, sister sell me to coal. Some of you um, may be aware that, you know, she have a little situation going on. And um, we took her in, and the doctors did their um, their test and exam. And some of um, what they revealed to us, um, for us, wasn't good news. And so, you know, we said, man. And um, But they said, you know, there was something that they could do to at least help the situation, that they couldn't completely heal the situation, but they could do certain things to make it, better than it really is and so the other morning I was praying anytime God talked to me he just messed me up maybe that's why he don't talk to me a whole lot (laughs) 
But I was praying the other morning. And I'm praying and I'm praying, I'm praying. And the spirit of the Lord said to me. Are you going to ask me to do it? And what I'm trying to tell you is. Sometimes we get so caught up in our emotion about what's going on around us that we don't even go to God with what's going on. And then sometimes we're so consumed by the natural things around us, what doctor says and what seems to be impossible. We just take it as God's word. I'm sorry, as the doctor's word and never say, well, what does God have to say about this? And in my opinion, when you're talking about the greatest miracle of bringing anything alive, we read in the book of Ezekiel when there was a valley of dry bones. There is no greater miracle to me as far as bringing life back into human than that one. There, 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 God has raised the dead, but they were still together. And he spoke to them and life came back and then they start moving. But he told Ezekiel to prophesy to dry bones. The Bible went as far as a dry bones. I'm like, man. And so he prophesied to dry bones and dry bones started coming back together and become wet bones, I guess. And, and all the stuff started coming on it again, sinew and muscles and tissues. And it started, the joints started getting back in place. And before you know, it was a body. Then he told him, prophesy to the wind. And then the wind blew and breath came into these bodies. Now that's formed. And they became an army. And so I was so convicted when the Lord said to me the other morning, are you going to ask me? Because the one of the report that we got, it was almost like there's nothing we can do. The doctors were saying there's nothing they can do. And the Lord had to ask me, are you going to ask me to do it? And I can't get past that. I mean, I didn't. When he said that to me, I prayed about it. But after that, I took my oil and went to the hospital. I says, that's one thing I've never been disobedient to the Lord about. If he ever brings anything to my attention. I'm on it. And that's why I can tell him. I've prayed that prayer to say, God, go against my will when I become an idiot. Go against my will if I'm not doing right. I want you to go. I give him permission to go against my will if I get so stupid and start going to the left. I want him, I want him to go against. I give him permission to constrain me and go against my will to get me back in line. I say, I pray that prayer all the time. God, I get out of line. You do what you got to do to get me back in line. Forget about my feelings. Forget about anything. I need you to get me back in line, even if you have to go against my will. I pray that prayer all the time. And so whenever he speaks, I just say, okay. And I just do what I got to do. And that day I went into the office down in Philadelphia and I got, I got back from the office, got home. And I just, I don't know what I did and just grabbed my oil. And I went straight to the hospital and I prayed. And even though I, I know I did what God wanted me to do, I still feel convicted about that. That he had to ask me, are you going to ask me to heal her? I said, Lord, what am I doing? So be careful with the emotions that you might feel when you get bad news. 
you get bad news and your emotion just consume you that you can't even get into the mode of praying and talking to God in faith. Because sometimes we say it because we know to say it, but, but no faith in it. It's just all kind of emotion in it. And so God is wanting me to share with you tonight that whatever the situation is, he can handle it. Don't look the other way. Don't just take the doctor's words or whatever nature says. God can do what we may call the impossible. And so we got to come out of that emotional state and get into the spiritual state. That's what God is calling us to do is to be spiritual and not to be emotional when we have to seek him for his will. I'm not saying you don't have to be emotional when someone you love is not doing their best. Yes, that's fine. But man, after you're done being emotional, you go to God in faith and begin to pray for God to move in a special way. So we're going to pray for for um, Sister Yvonne's mother, Pansy Cummins, and we're going to pray for Sister Selmita Cole, that God will touch her body. We're going to pray for Brother Henry's uh, mother-in-law, who is, um, you know, need a touch from God. Pray for my mother, Sister Jackson. She need a touch from God. And if there's anyone else here that need a touch from God physically, Brother Chuby, pray for him that God will have his way. Let's learn from this situation and not ignore the Lord and think that, you know, we're in a doom and gloom situation. God is able And he can do just what needs to be done. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so grateful and thankful that you are our God. Lord, we serve no other God but you. We worship no other God but you. Lord, you are everything to us, Lord God. Beside you, there is no Savior. Beside you, there is no Deliverer. Beside you, Lord God, there is none that can bring the dead alive, that can make dry bones live again. And so, Lord, we're grateful to know we serve the only true and living God, the only wise God, the sovereign God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the great physician, Lord God. Oh, Father, virtue flows from your body, Lord God. And so we call on your name tonight, Lord Jesus. We call on your name as we begin to call out the names, Lord. We pray for miraculous healing. We command sickness to leave their body in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray tonight for Pansy. Oh God, that you will move on her. Oh my God, I command sickness to leave her body. I command, Almighty God, that growth. Oh God, to dry up right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, by your virtue, by your stripe, Lord God, I pray healing in the name of Jesus. I pray for Sister Henry's mother, Lord God. Oh Father, will you bring that body alive? Will you strengthen that body, Lord, where she will have strength in her body? Will you raise her up out of that bed, Lord God, in the name of Jesus? Only you can, Lord, and that's why we call on your name, for only you can, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray tonight, Lord, for Brother Chuby, oh God, by your stripe, I pray he will be healed from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. Let your healing virtue flow into his body, Lord God, and I pray that he will be made whole right now, oh great God. I pray, Lord, for Sister Jackson tonight, Lord Jesus, that Lord 
Lord, you will make her body whole, uh, that you will touch her body, and that you will heal her body, Lord God. Uh, oh, Father, have your way. Uh, by your stripe, I pray your healing upon her. And, oh, God, I pray uh, for Sister Selvina Cole, uh, Lord God, that you will touch her body just where you need to touch her, Lord God. Uh, and I pray for miraculous wholeness uh, and miraculous healing uh, and for life, Lord God, uh, to come into the places uh, that may not have life uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, have your way. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, great is the Lord. Uh, Lord, have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Uh, I pray your healing touch, Lord God. Uh, I pray wholeness, oh God, uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, by your stripe, oh great God, uh, let it be so. Uh, let it be done. Uh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Uh, we praise your name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Church, God is, is on the throne. He's not, he, he didn't forget about your situation. God, God knows your situation. He, he, he hasn't forgotten. He's not turning a blind eye to what's going on. He knows just what's going on. And for so many situations, God is looking for us, his people, his church, to just turn to him and say, Jesus, will you, he says, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. we got to go to God in faith and begin to ask and not take anything for granted. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, help us. We need the help of the Lord. I don't know. We need to turn around in some kind of way because it is not easy to deal with, uh, you know, all of technology and how our world is going. It's very hard. I know it is. I, I know it's very hard to, to stay locked in, in tune and spiritual when we have all of this other stuff going on around us all the time. I know it's difficult, but I'm telling you, we don't have a choice. We got to figure out a way how to still be connected to Jesus, how to still be focused on him, how to still be spiritual no matter what's going on. We really do. We really do. I know it's not easy, but we really do. Technology has just overtaken us to the place where we're just going with just whatever is being said to us. So many things are, are so, so many things that man has done obviously are true. You know, our design and our development of things and we, we create these things and yes, it's true that we're, 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 we're knowledgeable and all of this stuff. And so little by little, we're yielding to what man is doing and not checking in with Jesus. Little by little, we, we're not even realizing it. 
It's just like when I got first got saved, I read the Bible and we heard it preach a lot of times about the time is coming where they will be a cashless society. And that's how the mark of the beast will be able to be instituted. And we, we 30 years ago, we heard that a lot. And 30 years later, we're just this far. We're almost there and we're not even thinking about it anymore. Almost there now. We said it 30 years ago and it was like, wow, you know, and it was like a big deal then. And now we're this close and it's no big deal because we're using our phones to make purchases. We're using cars. To, so to just make it one chip to do everything. Oh, it's just it's just this close, this close. Our organization, the United Pentecostal Church, we believe that we have preached and we have um, works going on in 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 200 and 12 nations and territories across the world. And we believe as an organization, there's only 10 nations and territories that we have not reached with the gospel yet. We believe it's only 10. With all the traveling we've done, and trust me, we have some men that have traveled our world, and we, we have people in places that we can't even talk about. So we have, we have preached the gospel as an organization in all the world except for 10 nations and territories. And I don't think we're far off from those places. We know the 10 nations and territories. Some of it, they won't allow Christians to get in. But we've gone into nations where Christians can't get in, and we've gone and we're just incognito there teaching the word of God. So we're not far from the, 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 the coming of the Lord and from uh, being able to, to, for, the, for the Antichrist to raise up and decide to, to now I'm going to control the world by saying that you need to have this and that before you can buy or sell. It's not far because the whole world can be reached now. 30 years ago, we couldn't fathom that the whole world could, whole world could be reached. We thought that we could not. But when our buddy that used to, um, 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 Brother Benny, that used to have his, his plane that he went into the jungle years ago and started preaching the gospel in the jungle, nobody was thinking about it. But that man flew into the jungle and started preaching the gospel. So we, we, we might not know what's going on because we're in North America. We're so good. But man, oh man, this gospel is reaching all around the world. And the return of the Lord is this close. And we can't allow what society in this world is doing to desensitize us from being connected to the Lord and being spiritual. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Well, let's get into the word of the Lord. We're going to continue our series. You may be seated. Continue our series. The call. The call. Hallelujah. Again, I apologize for the heat. Wish I could do something. <laughs> we always think, we always think um, we're so smart. We we can make things better. And um, I'm sure when Hamilton Township made their plans as far as what they like to call consolidation, that they were going to consolidate all the fire station, they figure, oh, that's going to be a great thing. But if you ask some of the firemen, they don't think it's a great thing. And if you ask us, we don't know if, if, if it's a great thing right now, because when you become a big organization, what they say, it's a lot of red tape to get things done. When, when, when they didn't have to, when, when they weren't a whole, you know, organization and when they didn't have everything merged together, you know, you just call the guy up the street that normally come. Hey, 
We, we need to fix the air conditioner. And he just runs over and, you know, just get it done. Now, you know, in an organization, I know it very well, man, to get a check cut to pay some vendor, not easy. <laughs> not easy to get a check. So, so, so the people that do the work, they're like, how am I going to get paid? What am I going to get paid? And so if they can't get paid right away, they slow to come. But we'll, we'll, we'll make it through. We'll make it through. Luke chapter 5, verse number 4. We read this last week, and we'll read this as a theme and continue to go on and share. Uh, and I like series because sometimes um, I do it and you do it. Uh, we're listening to the preaching of the Word of God, and the preacher says something that's really vital that we need to hang on to. And the preacher has so much to say that he kind of says what he says like a oh, by the way, and you kind of missed it. Thank God sometimes for, you know, that's why I told you it's okay to tweet. It's okay to, 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 you know, post something on Facebook while you're in service. Because I've done that before in a um, conference, hear stuff and start tweeting it out. And guess what? I can go back and see it. It's like taking notes, but you were sharing your notes with everyone else. I don't know how many old schoolers think like that, but <laughs> that, that's really good. You know, when you tweet stuff out and you put stuff on Facebook while you're in service, it's like taking notes and sharing it with others. So feel free and do that while you're in the church, because uh, there is something that gets said that you need to go back and look at it or you listen to it again. I listen to sometimes I listen to a preach a sermon, you know, three and four times. Because I want to keep on getting what was being said because it's so many good things that, you know, you hang on to one thing for so long that the next three things that he says, you can't even remember because you're holding on to that one thing you just heard. So uh, series make you continue to repeat something that um, you may have said that we all need to take in. All right. Luke chapter five, verse four. Now, when he had left speak and he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet or at his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, some things weren't explainable um, when you, you know, first went in the church, you saw some things and I don't know. We're still trying to figure out some things that happened. But one of the things that I think is very, very um, important to know, if you really get into the presence of the Lord, you're going to find yourself a lot of times in tears. If you want to know about being in the presence of the Lord, if you really get into the presence of the Lord, most of the time, I didn't say all the time, most of the times you're going to find yourself in tears. Why is that? Because God is so holy. And when you get close to him, you realize how unworthy you are. Every time I get close enough to him like that, I start crying because I'm like, why you're so good to me? Why you even allow me so many opportunities? I am just so un 
done and just, you know, compared to you so, you know, unholy and you're so holy and you just feel like, oh, my goodness, comparing to God is just it's just no comparison. And you just start to cry because you realize it's not because you had done anything good, but it's because he is so good while you're able to be in his presence. Not that you did something worthwhile to say, yeah, Lord, I'm in your presence because, you know, I worship, I worship better than everybody else. That's not how we get into his presence. We get into his presence because we humbled ourselves, we repented of our sins, and we cried out to him and said, God, help me. I'm a wretch undone. I'm a man that's, that have sinned, and I'm desiring to be holy and to be righteous. Will you stretch forth your hand and touch me? Because I don't deserve your goodness. Can you imagine if God was like the judge at, 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 the, at, the, uh, at the courthouse? Because after a while, the judges at the courthouse say, listen, man. I'm looking at your jacket, and you've been here too many times. You got to go. And they sentence you. Yeah. One of the things that they do a lot of in court um, proceedings when they're sentencing you, they want to know what's your record. You know, how, how bad is your jacket, as they like to say. And so, and so if, if, if this is your first time or second time, they might cut you some slack. Oh, but don't think if it's your fifth time you're getting any cut, cut any slack. You're going to jail. And I can go, uh, the preacher can go stand and plead for you. And the judge is going to say, Reverend, I appreciate you speaking up and continue to work with him. However, and they sentenced them. <laughs> I stood up many times and the judge said that, Reverend, I appreciate you working with so-and-so. Will you please continue to work with them? But you know what, Reverend? Look at their record here. And guess what? They're going to have to do the time for the crime that they committed. They might be doing all right now, but when you look back two and three and four and five and ten years ago, they were just out of control. If God was like the judge, oh, man, none of us would make it to heaven. <laughs> if God was like the judge, none of us would make it to heaven because God will say, man, how many times have you come to me with the same issue? How many times have I forgiven you for the same situation? But God is not like man. Somebody need to say thank you, Jesus, because God is not like man. My Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so Peter says, Lord, just get away from me because I am just just no good. He said he fell down at the at the feet of Jesus and said, Lord, depart from me. You're so holy. Why would you even hang around some crazy, you know, mouthy dude like me? But that's not what the Lord did, because we serve a good God. Verse 9, for he was astonished, Peter was, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. That's not just for Peter and James and John and those guys. I want us to know that Jesus, when he says something, it just doesn't go for that time. Jesus is the only one that when he speaks, it's for the past, the present, and the future. It's not like us. We speak and we can only deal with one thing at a time. We can only work with one thing and that's the present. When Jesus is working, Jesus is saying stuff that deals with every kind of time period so when he says he's gonna make peter and those guys fishers of men guess what talking to us too 
Verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, let's talk some more. We were talking about this last week, and we'll continue to talk about it. Can I say this to you? If a man is going to fish for fish, remember we talked about this. A fisherman just don't, only amateur just show up and cast their line. Amateurs. Oh, yo, let's go fishing. And a couple of guys go fishing. Some people go fishing because they just want to go drink. You know, we just get a boat, put some, some alcohol in the boat, and we'll go out. We'll see what we catch. If we catch good, if we don't catch, so what? Because it wasn't really about the fish. But real professional fishermen, guess what? They're going to fish because this is the way they earn their living. This is the way they have to provide for their family. So they have to learn the whole profession of fishing. So they don't just go out and fish. They know what they're doing. They, they study the fish. They learn what kind of bait to use at what part of the, the, the sea or the lake. They know what time to go. They know all of this. It's not a coincidence that God used fishermen to say, now we want you, he wants you to fish for men. It's not a coincidence. He always wanted to draw the parallel that just like fishermen fish for fishes, I want my people to fish for human beings. And so if we're going to be fishers of men, now we realize we're going to have to learn how men are. When I say men, I just mean mankind. We're going to have to study where we are. And remember, every location is different. And so location is different. So here we are. We are in the pond in Mercer County. <laughs> We're in the pond of the Northeast. <laughs> We're in the pond of the tri-state. And so we got to learn what men do in this area, how they live their life, what, what, what kind of bait to use to reach them because it is just the way it is. You can't just go out and say, oh, the same way you reach people down in Mississippi is the same way you reach them in New Jersey. Not so. Not so. So if the fishermen had to figure out how to catch the fish, then we got to learn men so we can figure out how to reach them. The Christian's business is not to stand in an appointed place and say to mankind, here am I. Come up. And take what I give you as you should. There's some preachers, I don't mean to talk bad, but I just got to tell you what I'm, what, what I'm trying to get across to you. There are some preachers that, guess what? They don't get involved in soul winning. What they get involved in is they stand behind their sacred desk every chance they have, and they tell you, you better eat this food that I'm giving you, whether you like it or not, you better eat this food. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. What's the bait? You can't preach to people and there's no bait. And so you can say all you want. It's the word of God. If they don't want to receive it, that's up to them. That's not how it works. If we need a bait to catch fish and he says he's going to make us fishes of men, we need a bait to catch men. So we need to find out what's a good bait. We need to put a bait out there and reach them. We need to minister to them. This is one of the reasons why we don't get a lot of people to want to reach people through evangelism and witnessing because it takes some work. 
It takes some work. But let me say this to encourage you. God didn't call you to reach the world. He just called you to reach one person. God didn't call you to reach the world. He just called you to reach one person. So all you got to do is pray and pray and pray and then say, God, send me to that person you want me to reach. And when he sends you, you say, God, now that you show me who they are, will you give me the bait to use? Because God will tell you all of this and show you how to go about reaching that person. But it takes putting some effort in it. And if you will follow God, you will start to run the aisle on Sunday mornings. Oh, you don't want to hear me now. If, if you will begin to pray those prayers and do that stuff, you will start to run up and down the church on Sunday mornings. Why? Because you will be so happy that you prayed and you prayed and God directed you to someone. And when he directed you to someone, you did what he told you to do. And now that person who last week was just messed up in sin or now at the altar praying and say, Lord, forgive me. I repent of my sins. And before you know it, they're talking in tongues because God has filled them with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and at the service they're saying, uh, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, and all you know is uh, that person was lost a week ago, but because I heard from God and I obeyed God, uh, look at them at the altar. That's enough for you to start running. That's, what, that's enough for you to start shouting and jumping and singing. But we don't do enough of that in church. Why? Because we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So remember I told you Sunday morning, oh man, I remember I hate to say it this way, but let me just make it plain for you. Sunday mornings, Brother Bradley, when our evangelism team was about 35 strong, that was my crew. And when we went and hit the streets and we come back Sunday morning, we like piranhas. We can't wait. We, we like, come on, preacher, you ready? We, we preach Pastor Nella to death. Because you don't realize that when when you are ready for the preaching and you begin to stand behind a preacher, oh, there's an anointing that flows back and forth and back and forth. And as as he's preaching and you're saying, come on, preacher, because you're listening for the person you brought to church. And you say, come on, preacher. God begin to tell him more stuff to preach. And the power of God just move and you're just glancing over to the person you brought. And you're still running the aisle. <laughs> you're running the aisle. And then if you see something, it might be, you know, somebody that you say, you know what? That person has a gentle spirit. You just touch and say, hey, go over to so-and-so and touch him. Just go pray with him. Because you know that person got a gentle spirit and this person got a gentle spirit. You don't care. You just want to see people get saved. That's what people ought to run the aisle for. Too often we're running the aisle because the song sounds good. That don't last. We need to run the aisle because we had done something and God responded to us because we did what he wanted us to do. That's when you see signs, wonders, and demonstration. When we do what God says do. Woo. So our job is not to just stand behind the sacred desk and try to tell people, you better listen up. Because I'm telling you the word of God, you better listen up. No, we got to, you know, the only, the only universal technique that we all can use to reach the loss is L-O-V-E. That's the only universal one. That, that, that's it. I mean, wherever you are, you're going to have to use different techniques, different methods. But the one that you can use, that you have to use every place is L-O-V-E. 
And so when you start, when you love people, oh my God, oh, you want to see people saved. You want to see people saved. If you, if you will love people, you will have some frustrating days. Because you want them saved so badly and you're looking, you're saying, God, I don't see any movement. I know you're working, God, because I know your promises are yea and amen. And I know when I pray and pray your will, you're doing something in their heart. But God, I'm looking and I don't see anything happening. And so you look around and it looks like people just won't budge. It looks like people won't respond to God. And you're saying, man, God, how will this work? You're coming. Your return is at hand. And these people look like they don't want to have nothing to do with you. God, how do we reach them? That's some frustrating days. I pray those prayers many times. And I can't help myself with that. And I don't think God wants you to not. Uh, acknowledge that you want to see his will be done in that kind of way. And so we have proof of how you study people like our fishermen study fish to, to learn how to reach them. Acts chapter 17, when the apostle Paul was checking them out at Mars Hill in verse 22, then Paul stood in, Mar- in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. I believe there's still people that's worshiping the unknown God. You can say you know him, but depending on how you are living, it really tells the story whether you know him or you don't know him. It is so important. I say this to you all the time. It is so important to realize who God really is. When you come to realize, we, we get so caught up in, you know, in, in trying to understand that Almighty God became man and it's not two and three different gods. It's one God who manifests. And we get caught up worrying about that. I gotta, I'm going to show you something Sunday morning that's just incredible how we operate. But the, the point is, we, instead of us just, just realize that it's so miraculous that the Almighty God who created everything became a human and walked this earth and never ceased to be Almighty while he was going through the transformation of becoming a man. He was still in charge. He's still in control. He's still God. And he did all that. And instead of us realizing the sovereignty in that, we start saying, I don't understand that. I, I, that drives me crazy with us. I don't understand that. Okay. How many times we got to say, if you've got, if, if you're serving this God who's supposed to be omniscient, who is supposed to be sovereign, who is supposed to be omnipotent. If you're serving that God and you can explain everything that he does, he must not be as sovereign as he's supposed to be. He must not be as omnipotent as he's supposed to be. Because if he is that great like he says, you will not be able to comprehend everything he does. I can't tell you how much the kids sometimes try to talk to me and I have to think about how to break down to them a a response to their question. Because like, if I explain it to them as an adult, they're still going to say, what? what? What are you talking about? And so you've got to stop and think about it. Says, all right, God, help me to um, explain this to them in a, a practical way. Can you imagine what God has to do with us for us to understand? That's why some things he doesn't even bother explaining, responding, because he really want to say, daughter, son, 
if I explain that to you, you still will be scratching your head and still be lost. So just don't even worry about it. There's a time that's coming. I already told you my word. One day you will see me like I am because you will be like I am. And then all the things that you probably don't understand, you will understand then. Until then, just wait because you won't be able to understand everything that I do. But we get messed up trying to figure out right now, how does he do that? Well, why is he doing that? We missed it when we're trying to figure out the hows and the whys. If he want to tell you why, he will. If he want to tell you how, he will. But if he doesn't, don't let that get in your way. Don't let it get in your way. And so they were there worshiping the unknown God. And, and of course, the Apostle Paul was looking for a way on how he can get in there and share the gospel. So if you happen to realize people are worshiping the unknown God, you pray. All right, God, they don't know you. So now show me the bait that I got to use to explain you to them. They don't know you. So let me explain you to them now. And so that was Paul in his way of saying, okay, now I know what to do. They don't know who he is. So let me explain who he is to them. And that's how we are supposed to be. If we're going to reach the lost, we have to be praying for the lost constantly. And then when God finally open your eyes to say, there she go, there he go. Then now you kind of understand, okay, God has been working in their heart. Let me find out now what I need to know. And you scope them for a little bit. You don't go approach them right away. You check them out for a little bit until you can see really what they're up to. Maybe they work a lot. And if they work a lot, you know what you say? So how's your health? I see you work a lot. Yeah. And they love to say this. Man, God, give me the strength to go to work. I always set them up. I got them every time. There, every time I said, you look like you're strong. You get to go to work all the time. Work. Yeah, God's been good to me. Then I start right there. I said, yeah, so God's been good to you. Tell me how you've been good to him. How have you been good to him since he's been good to you? You know, we got to teach people how to have good relationships. Because we're so messed up on relationship. We, we, we want somebody to be good to us, but we don't feel like we have to be good to them. Oh, man. We do it all the time. How many people you will come across that tell you God's been good? And if you just nicely whisper in your ear and say, so how have you been good to him? And you wait for them to say, well, I went to church Sunday. And then you say, well, how is that good to him by going to church? I thought that helped you out. I thought by going to church, that helped you out. You get a little bit stronger spiritually when you go. I thought that was helping you out. Tell me how you've been helping him out. How you've been good to him. A lot of people can't answer that question. How you've been good to God and God's been real good to you. These are the things that we have to think about and ask God to help us with so we can reach people. Jesus trained the disciples who became apostles and that allowed us to have the best examples as to how to effectively evangelize and disciple people to be fishers of men. If we study Jesus's work while he was in the earth, how he did it, I told you the best study you probably can do about how to be a witness is when Jesus just killed it at the well, the woman at the well. Oh, man, he destroyed it. If you want to dig into those scriptures, you're like, man, that, that was masterful. I mean, masterful. 
He knew his boys, how they was, that, you know, they only could mess with certain kind of people. So he said, y'all go to the store and get some food. So he got rid of them. You remember that time also when he prayed for somebody to be, be healed? He, he sent some people out of the room. Y'all get out of the room. Because he, he, he knows. He scouted out the place. He knows. So y'all get out of here a little bit. So he let the disciples go to the town because he knew this lady was coming to the well and he was just in the cut. And when she rolled up, he didn't tell her, woman, you've been shacking up. You need to get saved. <laughs> he didn't say that to her. He started out with just commonality. That's, it's masterful. If you want to really understand how you reach people, watch them. And then God will give you something, debate. He will give you something to say to them, the hook, how to get them on the hook. And how you normally get them on the hook is to have something in common that you talk about. That's what he did to the woman at the well. Before you know it, a whole village got saved because all he did was chill at the well and wait for the woman to come get her water and ask her for some. That's how he started out. A whole village got saved because he started a conversation by saying, can I get some water? <laughs> whole village. Just because Jesus said, can I get some water? That's masterful. So sometimes we are afraid to be a witness and we say, well, I can't do that and that's not my personality. Guess what? It is possible if you will just trust God and use the methods he used. One, give me a glass of water or let me taste some of that bucket. And before you know the whole village. To follow. Fishers of men, Jesus said, follow me. And they started following him. To follow means to accept Jesus' authority to pursue his calling, to model after his example, to join his group. Jesus was asking these men to become his disciples and to begin fishing for people. Follow is the major term for discipleship in the Gospels. Disciples in Jesus' day literally followed their masters around and imitated them. We don't want to do that today. But you know what's funny? We don't want to follow anybody around and imitate them. But guess what? The gang's doing it all day long. All day long. People that's trying to get a promotion on their job doing it all day long. People just started a new position. Y'all know the whole thing. You know, I trained people for a long time. And so when they come in, you give them the book training. Then after that, guess what you do? You let them follow people around. Right. So they watch first. They watch for a couple of weeks or maybe a week. Watch what the person do. Then the next week they do it. And then before you know it, you know, they're, they're getting involved. So people are following people all the time. And somehow when we get saved and get in church, we don't want to follow nobody. We don't want to follow nobody. I don't know why we, we, I don't know. I got to ask God some of these questions. Lord, why are we so messed up when it comes down to the things of God? Because it's quite clear to me that we're okay with following, following, following. But when it comes to the church, we don't want to follow. Soon as I say something that's challenging, huh, pastor don't understand. You don't understand. Oh, man. Whew. I try, I, I hope, I don't know if, how to put this, but I, you know, I, I, I'm transparent as can be. I want to work as long as I can work and pastor at the same time. A couple of things. One of the things is when you go to work, you know, the, the pool of people that are unsafe, you know, put yourself around people that are unsafe. Cause when you, when you become, 
you know, full-time pastor, you normally only deal with saved people all the time. <laughs> so, so I like going to work and going into an environment where people are not saved. It gives me an opportunity to let my light shine and share the gospel. So I like that. The, the, other, the other thing that I like is it makes me in tune with the congregation because most of the times, most of the people in the congregation, they have a job. And sometimes pastors can forget when they stop working a normal nine to five, they forget and they start looking at y'all like, why y'all can't do this with me? <laughs> and and, and they're not telling the truth because they know they take their midday nap. There's some pastors that take their midday nap while y'all working nine to five and they say, what's wrong with you? I don't want to do that to y'all ever. <laughs> I'm, am I telling the truth? You know? They take a midday nap while y'all on the nine to five and you come home and got to take care of your kids. And by the time they normally pastoring, a lot of them, a lot of them, not all of them, at least half of them. By the time, you know, they start pastoring, you know, their kids are a little older, so they don't they don't have to attend to little ones. And so they don't understand all of that, that you got to feed your kids. You got to get them in the bed by a certain time and all that stuff. They don't understand that. They just want to keep you all day, every day. And I'm almost there because I don't want to keep you all night long either. So y'all going to talk about me. He, he, he hear him talking about not keeping us all night long and he kept us light, late. No, I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you. Plus, we get up 5 o'clock in the morning and pray, don't we? Hallelujah. Plus, we get up 5 o'clock in the morning and pray. So we know we got, man. So, you know, I'm a night hawk. I like to stay up late at night. And man, that early morning prayers beat me up. I'm kind of, you know when you're getting old. Because I used to be able to stay up late and still get up early and pray, no big deal, and just motor through the day. Now, I'm just mad at myself. I'm like, man, we have to get old and there's nothing we can do about it, huh? Because now, sleepy time come early. And I'm trying to be my old self. I'm up. I'm staying up. I'm good. You know, trying to stay up late and the sleep just beat me up. Just beat me up. Go to sleep. Because, you know, I got to wake up at 5. Well, I wake up at 4.52. I don't know about y'all, 4.52. I wake up at 4.52. All right, all right, all right, okay. 4.52, roll on downstairs, sleep still in my eye, but I get down there, and I'm ready to start praying. (laughs) Sister Crystal, what is it, 5.15, 5.30? Hey, don't matter, sis. I told you, just get up and do it. Just get it in. (laughs) But it's not easy. Got to go to bed early now. So let me finish up here and tell you this. This is important. All of what I'm saying, there must be a hunger in you for it. Uh, This doesn't get talked about enough. But what I'm saying here tonight, as much as I'm telling you we need to be fishers of men and we got to be witnesses and we got to share the gospel with people. and, and, And that's what God called us to do. I realize that if you don't feel called, the pull, the burden to do that, you got to start praying like you never prayed. Because this stuff, I know somehow we can make ourselves do stuff, but, you know, we do stuff that we're not, we not feeling it. We're just doing it. And if you, it's one, you can start out doing it because you know it's right. But if after doing it for a while and you still just feel like you're obligated, but you don't feel it within your spirit, you got to pray. 
Because we have to, at some point in time, get to the place of just having the passion, having the hunger, having the drive, having the desire to say, I want to serve the Lord. I want to be a witness for God. The spirit of God and the word of God got to draw us. We can't just do it out of obligation. Prayer cannot just be obligation. The word of God reading the Bible cannot just be obligation. I know sometimes it is, it feels like a chore, but you got to pray if it continues to feel that way to say, God, I don't want to feel like I'm doing my chore. I don't want to feel like I'm obligated. I want to feel connected and feel the hunger and the passion to just move forward and do this. It has to be that way. It has to be that way. It's it's tough sometimes, but we, we have to seek God to feel the passion to do it, to feel the hunger. If a believer struggle with the desire to hear from the Lord through prayer or reading the scripture, we simply need to revisit who Jesus is. This is why Brother Readout, and I'm going to be done here, Brother Readout, one of my awesome, awesome teachers in the word of God. If you hear Brother Readout teach he can teach the Bible up and down, sideways, backwards, every kind of way. But he always end up at one, the same place every time that there's one God. And God just want to reveal himself to us. That's all Brother Readout preaches. Now, it's crazy because he can, I mean, he has like a manual. He has sent me his manual. I mean, this high, it's all electronic. But I'm talking about so many different subjects. But everything he teaches us, he says, this is all about the work of God and God revealing himself to mankind. And I know sometimes it might seem like it's redundant. But what he's really telling us is, at the end of the day, if you can get the, the, the awe and the wonder of who he is, it makes everything else work in your life. But if you're doing things without the awe and the wonder of who God is, sooner or later you break away from it. Sooner or later it's not meaningful to you. So you want to always, when you don't feel the passion or the burden or the drive to, to, to do what God wants you to do, you got to go to God in prayer and say, God, will you reveal yourself to me again in a way that I've never known you? Will you reveal yourself to me in a way that will draw me closer to you and help me to pay more attention we got to go to God about that because we can't just live for God through going through the emotions or the motion or just doing what we know to do no we got to do it because we're being driven we're being driven by the spirit we're being led by the spirit and we can't help ourselves as a matter of fact you have experienced it sometimes where you, I don't know if you have experienced it um, since we started our early morning prayer, but man, some mornings, the mornings I feel more sleepy is the morning I feel like I connect the best. <laughs> you feel sleepy, but you're doing it. I, I, I love that about the Lord. It's something about sacrifice that get God to get going in your life. When God realized that you are sacrificing and you're really going above and beyond, even though you don't feel like it, he always jumps in and begin to help you. It's something about that. And I'm telling you, the days you don't feel like doing what God wants you to do, those are the days you need to push through and do it because you will feel your help coming on. God will always be your help, especially in the time where you don't feel like doing it, but you put the effort in anyhow. There's something special about that. 
Don't let the devil make you say, well, I'm tired and God understands. That's the day. I'd rather you be smart enough to know on the days that you feel good, that might be the day you can say, God, will you give me a, a little break today? I'd rather you say it on those days. But the days you feel the most tired, the days you feel the most challenged, the days you feel the most weariness, those are the days you say, I am not going to not pray. I am not going to not read my Bible. Those are the days that you're grateful a hold of Jesus because those are the days you will experience a greater breakthrough. Those are the days you will get something from the Lord that you ordinarily wouldn't get. I feel my help coming on for my help coming from the Lord. My Lord is my helper. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody need to thank the Lord tonight for being your help. Oh, I can't do it without him. He's my help. He's my help. He's my help. I heard somebody try to describe grace this way, and I'm not telling you this is grace, but I understand what they were trying to say. They described grace this way, that we're all trying to get to a certain place, and none of us are capable on our own to get to that place, and grace is the Lord making up what we can't do. You got to do your part. And he will make up the, the part that you cannot do. But for some of us, if we want to get back to the Bible and get technical, remember when he gave talents. Five, two, and one. And the one that got one buried his. Man, that made God angry. <laughs> My goodness. I, still today, there's some scholars saying, man, God, cast him in outer darkness. The, the one that the one that got the one talent, he went and buried it. And the Bible says he called him um, unfaithful, wicked servant. And, and cast him in outer darkness. God has a problem with us just sitting in the cut and wanting him to do what we're supposed to do. He's got a problem with that. He's got a problem with that. And so we need to make sure we do what we're supposed to do. All right. I'm going to stop there. And next week, we'll pick back up. We need to pursue Jesus. Let's stand. And the way we pursue Jesus, see, I can't tell you, uh, I talk about reaching the lost a lot because I realize it's probably, I don't know what's the best way to say it. It probably is the central thing that keeps us connected to all the work of God. Reaching the lost is the thing that keep you connected to all of what God is doing. Because all of us, if you are about reaching the Lord, you know you cannot do it on your own. And so you know God has to do something for that person to be saved. And so because of that, you're constantly studying your Bible. You're constantly praying because you know for that person to be saved, for your loved one to be saved, for your family member to be saved, your neighbor, your classmate, your, 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 the people that you, you encountered throughout your day, for those people to be saved, it's not all up to you. You have to do a part, but only the Lord can work in their heart for them to respond. And so when you get involved with being fishers of men, you always stay connected to God because you need him to work through you to do whatever he's doing. So there's a there's a connection, there's a constant connection with you and God when you become fishers of men. 
And so that's your that's the thing that you never let go as a child of God, because to be a fisher of men, you got to pray. To be fishers of men, you need God to intervene. <laughs> to be fishers of men, you just need everything to go. You got to learn the word of God because you need to share it with people. So when you're fishers of men, it keeps you connected to God. You have to have a right relationship with God constantly because every day, just like the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, we need to be uh, uh, what, what it says, uh, wise as serpent and harmless as dove, just moving about, seeking who we can share the gospel with. Or us being the light like we are, moving about, shining brightly. Or being the salt, moving about, spreading a little bit of taste and a little bit of flavor here. So when you are thinking about being one that will reach the law, sharing the gospel, you have to constantly move and, and reach for people, which means you have to stay in constant prayer with God. Being a fisher of men is the single most, after you know who Jesus is, the next single most important thing to be and to do in your life is to reach the lost because it keeps you healthy spiritually. It keeps you in a right relationship with God. And that's what we're after. We can't just expect God to do everything and we do nothing. That's a terrible relationship. Any relationship that you're in, that one person does everything. You hear me say this all the time, and i got to keep saying it because people still do it. But any relationship that you're in, and you're doing everything, and the other person's not doing enough, even though people always think they're the ones that's doing enough. I don't know how we resolve that. I don't know how we resolve that. But God don't play that mess. You might can play that mess with your spouse or with the person that you claim you love, but God does not play that mess. He is not going to allow you to let him do everything and you do nothing. God don't play that game. So if you feel like, oh, I feel like I'm not connected. I just don't feel like God cares. You know what the first thing I'm telling you? What are you doing? What are you doing? Because God don't play those games. You might can uh, manipulate somebody to, 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 to do what you want them to do, but you can't manipulate God. You're going to have to do what God say you need to do and God will do what he says he will do. There's no manipulating. There's no deceiving. There's no trying to work any angles with God. He knows everything. So if we're going to get to the place of having right relationship, we've got to become fishers of men. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's clap our hands onto the Lord and thank him tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to pray. In a second here, we have one guest with us tonight. Yeah, we have one guest all the way from Canada. Can you believe it? That's that. We international. I told you. I, I laugh, laugh all the time. It says we get people coming from all over, coming to our church, waiting for the big sanctuary. Y'all come back in about eight months and y'all get the big sanctuary. <laughs> I want to disappoint Everybody come. They say, man, let's go to the big church over there in Hamilton. And they come in. They say, okay. All righty. Bless the Lord. Don't worry. We got big vision. Big vision. And we're not far from reaching one point of that vision. That That is, I'm excited about the vision. I'm excited about what God is doing. But we're so grateful to have Stephanie Cole with us tonight. Stephanie, good to have you. All the way from Canada. Make sure y'all y'all love Stephanie up. Let her know how much we're glad that she's here tonight. Stephanie is um, Sister Cole's daughter. 
Yeah, she 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 come to look about her mom. Mm-hmm. She said she coming in with the big guns. <laughs> now look about mom. She said she's not playing, even though they say she a little cry cry baby. <laughs> That's all right. Your mom don't mind your tears. You can go cry on her shoulder. She all right with it. She lit up when we told her her daughter was coming. So that that encouraged her a little bit. So that's all good. Yes, thank God. Well, let's pray and thank God tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you tonight for your goodness. There is none like you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what we feel. We thank you for what you're doing in this church, Lord God. We have great expectation. We have great anticipation, Lord God, for your will being done and for your kingdom to manifest. Lord, bind us together in unity to move forward in the work of the ministry, Lord God. Let the anointing continue to flow in this church, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, Lord God, will walk in our purpose, in our calling, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray the strength of the Lord upon this congregation, Lord God, that you'll raise us up, Lord Jesus, uh, to do thine will, Lord God. Uh, Lord, I thank you for what I feel, what I sense that you're doing uh, in this church, Lord God. Uh, Help us to be steadfast unmovable, unshakable, and let your anointing flow freely, O God, upon us, Lord God. I thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you for calling us to the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord God, to be fishers of men, Lord God. Lord, will you give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to carry out your instructions, Lord God, and to go forth, Lord Jesus, and minister the word of God. Give us courage and boldness, Lord God, to declare the word of God. Will you keep us connected to you? For you are the vine. We are the branch, Lord God. Without you, we can do nothing, Lord Jesus. But if God do a work through us, we will bear good fruit, Lord God. And we will be able to reach our communities. We'll be able, Lord God, to shine your light bright all around, Lord God. That we will reap your harvest, Lord. For the harvest truly is white and and ready to be reaped. I pray, Almighty God, that there will be an urgency in our spirit to reap your harvest. And we will go forth into the harvest and begin to bring in, Lord God, all of what you have prepared. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, there's power in this church. There's power in this church. I want you to know God has established his power, his authority in this church. Move like you have authority. Speak like you have authority because God has placed his authority upon us. Let's go forth and do the will of God. Let's speak the word of God and be his oracle in this hour. Lord, we love you. Bless us and keep us as we go, Lord God. Let your hand be upon us. We give you praise and honor for all these things we pray. In Jesus' name. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't forget, once more, September 25th, 12 noon, Marriott. We want you to come out for our public launch. Give an offering tonight. Give it to the building fund. I love you, church. Have a great and wonderful rest of your evening. Love you.